Thank you for tuning in to a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. Good morning. Thanks for having me this morning. Um, like Aaron said, um, I've been the lead pastor at RCC in Ripon for 20 years. Um, two weeks ago, I stepped away from that, so this is my second Sunday away from that, and I'm already speaking at a church. Um, and I, I just overheard Aaron, so I want to talk about that for a second. He talked about life groups, so you'll, you'll get to hear my story maybe a little bit as I speak, but for me, um, it's about 30-ish years ago or so on this very week that, that I came to a church similar to this and heard a teaching about God and about Jesus straight from the Bible, and that's what led me to change my life. The first step I took was to join a life group. I was invited, similar to you guys just now, and I went, and I'll say this, in the, my 30 years of Christian walk, that would be the most significant thing in, in my growth was life group attendance, even more so than sermons, and I gave sermons for 20 years. So I endorse that. If you're, if you're on the fence, give it a try. It, it's so good. There's nothing to be scared of. It, it's going to be amazing. So I'm sorry, Aaron, that I went off on your thing there, but I love life groups. I've actually known Aaron since he's been a little kid. Here's my proof. Check that out. There he is at, at Ripon Community Church many years ago. So I've known him that long. I've known his parents even longer. Um, I was amazed as, as I found that picture. His mom, I don't know if you know her, but his mom actually looks younger today than she did 20 years ago. Uh, maybe you know that she's into karate, so maybe that's the secret. I don't know, but it's working for her. Aaron I knew all throughout his childhood in, in kind of like the normal relationship with friends and their, and their children. You knew him sort of a little bit. I watched him grow up. He went away to college, all excited. He was going to be a teacher. I had been a teacher previously. So we had a little bit of a connection. Then right when he was about to graduate, he had teaching offers, and he came to me and said, listen, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about being a teacher, but I'm thinking God's calling me to ministry. You know, what do you think? And we had a really nice talk about it, and, and I was impressed. And we then had another meeting, another meeting, and then finally I said, listen, you know, I know you have these full-time teaching offers. I can offer you like 10 hours a week right now. Over the course of a year, that could potentially grow if things go well. And I thought for sure he would say no, right? Like who turns down a you know, full-time position with health care and all this stuff? And he said yes. He worked four jobs um, to be able to come on staff at RCC. And I'll always remember that. It impressed me right from the beginning with him. And that was the beginning of our like, professional relationship together. Um, I actually officiated his wedding with Sydney. I've kno I knew Sydney even before that when she was in college. Um, we'd have coffee a couple times and talk about church and life. So I've, I've known them forever. Aaron and I have been talking church planting for four years. I know you guys are about a year and a half old as a church, but it, it, there's a lot of prep work to starting a church. So we literally have been talking about this for four years. So for me, it's super exciting to be here today. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. The last thing I want to say about Aaron is, is just, you know, maybe no one's told you, but maybe you've already realized yourself, you are really blessed to have him here at Centerpoint. I have I've planted a few other churches. I've coached guys all over the country for 20 years. And, and I was so excited when Aaron came and said he wanted to plant a church. Uh, he's a gem. Stick by him. Um, he's far from perfect. He knows this. He'll make lots of mistakes. So have I. But stick by him because you've got a man of character in him that just impresses me. And, and his role is a tough role. I did the role 20 years ago. And just to evidence how tough the role is, this was me. <laughs> That's when I started RCC, and look what it's done to me, right? So, so now you know what Aaron will look like 20 years from now, possibly. 
Today's not about me, though, and it's not about Aaron. It's really about you, Centerpoint Church. Thanks again that I'm here. You guys have had an amazing first year and a half, like literally unprecedented. As, as we approach the launch of the church and considering all the options and, and then the pandemic and all that stuff, no one starts a church in a pandemic. It's just not done. Starting a church anywhere at any time is almost impossible. Ninety-some percent fail. So for you guys to thrive the way you have in the middle of the pandemic, Way to go. You're doing such an amazing job. God has certainly blessed this church. He's graced you and blessed you tremendously. And I want you to feel that same grace and blessing in your lives throughout the week as well. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's great what God's doing here. But I want you to carry it through your week. I want you to experience his grace. So this verse or this passage in the Bible I want to talk about really is all about grace. It's my favorite part of scripture. It's about grace. It's about Jesus. And, and for me, I feel like it's about me too. Maybe you can find yourself in the story as well. story in Scripture where Jesus is teaching just like this. There's a crowd gathered. He's sitting, not standing, but he's teaching just like this. And in the middle of teaching, imagine the scene. He's teaching, and some people drag a woman before him and said, this woman has been sinning. Let's kill her. Now, the whole thing was a trick because for Jesus, these leaders, not only did they want to punish this woman, but they wanted to catch him too. They were trying to trick him into saying something wrong so they could kill him too, which obviously they eventually did. So imagine that. Imagine teaching in a room just like this. People come up dragging another person, screaming at her, holding rocks. We're going to stone her. We want to stone her. Jesus is threatened as well, obviously. They want to kill him too. So you can imagine the tension of the moment. Woman is, I'm sure, crying, embarrassed, drug beat by these people out in front of a whole crowd, wanting to kill her, thinking she's probably going to die. Sitting before Jesus in the dirt. What does Jesus do? Is he scared? He should be. People are holding stones. They're going to stone her and possibly him. See, but what we see in Jesus in this next moment is who he really is and why it's so important for you and I. Because the, the crowds don't scare him. He's not really threatened. In the end, he relaxes. He kneels down in the dirt, writes something that we don't know. People speculate what it could be, but we really don't know. Tells the people, okay, well, if you're perfect, go ahead and kill her. The people with the stones have to drop the stones, and they walk away. It's a haunting scene because imagine if you were there, you're so embarrassed now of yourself, you have to walk away that you're going to judge this woman. And she's left there with Jesus. The one who had messed up and had been embarrassed and sinned, whatever, all of it, she's left with Jesus. Our Savior, God himself, he loves her and forgives her and accepts her and tells her she's going to be fine. That's who Jesus is. This is why it's so important for you because he looks at me and he looks at you the same way. When I see that story, I see myself. It's in the Bible for a reason. It's there for us to learn. It's not just her story. It's my story and potentially you can see yourself in the story as well. Imperfect, embarrassed of your mistakes at times, maybe afraid to stand before God, and instead now you see how God actually treats people, people who have messed up. How can you not want that? when everyone else would turn their back on you, embarrass you, want to kill you. God is saying, Jesus is saying, come to me. You're safe. I got you. 
I want that in my life. I need that in my life. 30 years of Christianity, I still need it in my life. I believe we all do. That's who Jesus is. I am shocked at how God consistently forgives me and encourages me and gives, gives me opportunities, just like he gave this woman. That's what he does for me, too. Despite my mistakes, despite my flaws, despite my insecurities, that Jesus we see in the story is that same Jesus to me. You know, big deal, right? I'm on a stage as a pastor. My first day in seminary, I'd been a teacher for 10 years, and I feel God say, be a pastor. So I sign up, go to seminary. I'm still teaching, so I'm doing seminary at night. But, you know, I'd gone to school for education. I'd been a teacher for 10 years. I had 20 or 30 graduate credits. I thought I kind of knew how to do school, right? So signing up for seminary wouldn't be that big of a deal. So I do, and I go the first night, and I, and I got my backpack, and I sit in the, I always, every college class I've ever taken, I sit in the back of the room. I always pile a bunch of stuff on my, my desk or table and then hide a magazine behind it because I'm super ADD. So I'll take notes and, and read like a fishing magazine or something during a course. So that's what I do. I got it all set up, ready to go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick butt in seminary, right? Professor walks in, welcomes everyone, and then says, would someone open with a prayer? Okay, a million times in class. No one's ever done that before. Oh, it's seminary. This is going to be cool. They're going to say a prayer in class. Awesome. So I, I bow my head, and he asks for a volunteer. Someone volunteers. I bow my head, and this dude starts saying a prayer. It's amazing. Like, I'm a very simple guy. I say very simple prayers. Just talk to God like he's a person. This dude, he was deep. He had this rich voice, and he launches into this prayer. I didn't know for sure if it was a poem or a prayer or words to a song. Like, I, I was waiting for rhymes, right? Like, how do you rhyme tabernacle? It was, that, that's what I'm not even really honestly praying. I'm just listening to how impressive this prayer is. He stops praying, and I say in my head, wow. However, what I didn't realize is I actually said it out loud. So my first day of seminary, I was the doofus in the back of the room, who all the people, like the six or eight people around me, there's like 20 in the room, the ones around me heard that, and now I could feel my face turn red. This is the beginning of my life in ministry. The course goes on, and uh, we get to, like the break, it's like one of those three-hour night classes, and we get to the break, and something had happened early on in the class. You see, when we started after the prayer, the guy said, take out your Bible. And you're like, okay, my backpack's there, whatever. Everyone else takes out a Bible. I don't have a Bible. Who thinks to bring a Bible to a college class, right? Like it's my first day in seminary. I don't have a Bible, but I shuffled my books around and stuff a little bit to kind of act like I had a Bible. And then I kept my head down the whole time in the first half of the class, just praying he wouldn't call on me to read something from the Bible. Because at that point, I, I would have been had, right? So it gets to the break time, and... I just scurry down as fast as I can to the bookstore, and I buy a Bible. I, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you have a Bible at home, but like those really big, really good Bibles, you know, with all the references and all that good stuff that you should have, that's super expensive. And I had a couple at home already. I wasn't going to buy an expensive Bible in the middle of class, right? So I, I went around the bookstore, and I bought one on sale, and this is, this is actually it. This is the Bible I bought. And I rush back up there, and, and, and I make a big to-do you know, about having a Bible now, right? Like, I'm flipping through it, and now I'm not the guy that doesn't have a Bible anymore. And uh, the dude next to me says, oh, I, I see you have a Bible. I was, I was going to borrow you one of mine for the second half of class. He apparently brought multiple Bibles. You know, I had none, right? Felt a little judged. 
Like, oh, oh no, I'm, I'm good, right? I'm good. And, and now I've got my Bible. And he said, well, how did you get it? I said, I bought one at halftime. Dude says, there's no halftime in seminary, man. That's, that's how far behind the curve I was starting out. But here's the point. Here's the point. Having flaws, making mistakes, having insecurities does not disqualify anyone from being used by God. Myself, you, you're never disqualified, even if you feel like you are. Going to seminary, studying a Bible all the time, being a pastor, being on a stage with a microphone strapped to your head doesn't make someone a leader. It doesn't make someone important not to God. Just like the woman in the story, you were born important. You were born valued by God because God made you. That's what he says. You're valued by God because you are you. You're unique and special to him. And because the Jesus you see in that story is the same Jesus offering himself to you right now. It's our choice whether we want to engage with him, but he offers himself to us. The the woman in the story, myself, and so so many others are, are living proof that God forgives empowers, strengthens, encourages, uses imperfect people every day, all day. That's just what he does. So you can live your life knowing you're forgiven. You can live your life knowing that you are loved more than you could ever imagine. You can live in the power and reality of God's grace offered to you. Here's how. The first thing you need to do is you need to see yourself the way God sees you. You need to see yourself the way God sees you because God is right. He's God. And God says this about you. You're his masterpiece. When God looks at you, he sees a masterpiece. Now, now I have a picture here of what I think is supposed to be like a Picasso masterpiece. If you're really into art, you can come tell me about this afterwards. I'd like to learn. That doesn't look like any masterpiece to me. Like, I don't is that like some million-dollar painting or something? I don't even know. I, I, I wouldn't take it for free and put it in my living room. That's, that's not a masterpiece to me. Maybe it is to you. Certainly is to lots of people. It's expensive, right? I look at that. I don't see a masterpiece. I look at myself in the mirror, and I struggle to see a masterpiece. You probably do as well. God sees you as a masterpiece. You've got to get that right. That's the beginning of everything. God sees you as a masterpiece. That's what he says, not some pastor on a stage. God says that in Scripture for you, saved for you. He looks at you and sees a masterpiece. And then there's this word in Scripture. It's a super important word. Maybe you already know this. Anytime you see the word so in the Bible, stop and reread. It's super important. The word so is always important. So God sees you as a masterpiece, and then it says, so we can do the good things he planned for us. So, you're a masterpiece, so. He has his plan for you, a good plan. That's why you're a masterpiece, according to God. You have to take action. The so is, so you take action. In Genesis 6.22, it says, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. He took action. If you know the story, he started out as a regular guy. And you can choose to do it too. You can choose to do what God leads you to do. Or you can choose not to. You can choose to be like that woman who Jesus loved, or you can be the one that walks away like the others. It's all of our choices. And again, here Jesus 
is the ultimate example for us. Because even Jesus says he's committed not to doing his own will, but Jesus says he's committed to doing his Father's will. It's in John 6, 38, for I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not my own will. Even Jesus is dedicated to doing his best to fulfill God's will. So the question becomes, what's God's will for you, right? What is God's will for me? That's a tough one. You know, it's easy to stand on stage and say, hey, find out God's will and do it, but I've been around a long time. Sometimes it's really hard to know God's will, and that's okay. It's tough to figure out. Sometimes easy, sometimes hard. But let me ask you this. Do you think possibly that God's will could have ever been for you to struggle every day of your life? That God would create you to struggle? Do you think it's God's will for you to be stressed out all the time? I, I just quickly grabbed at the house before I came a couple of these popular stress things. You know, there's, there's these little, like, spinner things. Has anyone ever used one of these? Or, like, a widget thing where you can kind of mess with it while you're working or whatever. Or this popper thing where you pop these things in and out. Has anyone ever used any, a stress ball that you could squeeze? Anyone ever used one? Just a few. Okay, you know what I use? None of this. I eat Cheetos is mine. Cheetos. <laughs> I know that's not that healthy. There's other even less healthy options when you're stressed out. Cheetos, ice cream, chocolate bars. You can probably relate on some level, right? You do something when you're stressed. Might not be that good for you. Was that God's will for you, to be stressed all the time or to be anxious or worried or angry all the time, especially if you're a dude because we struggle with that the most? Or comparing yourself to others and thinking you're not good enough? Is this God's will for you? This is what the rest of your life is going to be? Go on Facebook and look at these other people and say, wow, I, I just don't measure up. I don't feel good about me. Or maybe feeling like your guilt or your past or your shame disqualifies you for an amazing relationship with God. Is that his will for you? Or living in a cycle of busyness you just can't get out of? Week after week. Is that God's will for you? God has a better way for you. God has a better will for you. He has plans for you, plans for good, and he writes it in Scripture for us. In Jeremiah, God says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God says his plans for you are good, to give you a future, to give you hope. Isn't that what we all want? If you're a Christian person, if you're sitting here today as a person who said, yes, I, I want to follow Jesus, I believe in Jesus, that means you made this choice to just follow him the best you can. It's kind of the basis of faith. So you and I as Christ followers are called to be Christ-like. So you're called by God to influence others in some way, to lead others in some way, just like Jesus does, but as his follower, and you can be totally your unique self. But you're called to it, and so am I, because your influence is needed in your church. Your leadership is needed in your home. Your, your leadership is needed at your work site. In all of your spheres of influence, you all influence someone. You may be sitting there right now thinking, I'm not, I'm not a leader, I'm not a person of influence. Of course you are. Maybe it's not at work. Maybe it's with your friends. Maybe it's while you're out enjoying your hobbies. Maybe it's in your community. We're all leaders in some way. In your home, we're all leaders in some way. 
And now you might be thinking, okay, this is another thing, another requirement of God for me. This is not a requirement. This is an honor. This is a privilege that God made you as a masterpiece and wants to use you to do good in the world just as you are. You're ready right now today, says God. You're ready. That's what he sees in you. That's the masterpiece that he sees. That's an honor. God made you just the way you are to influence your world for good. You know, I know um, just recently you had a Sunday night, a leadership night. I know you have more planned on Sunday nights. I know you had a leadership summit last summer. That's amazing. Do it. It's so good for you. Leadership is needed in the world. Faithful leadership is needed in the world. It's amazing. For me, I, I love talking about leadership and, and teaching leadership. And it's one of the reasons I left RCC to do some more leadership kind of stuff, to start a ministry that teaches biblical and applicable and practical ways to be leaders in every area of your life. So that you can have more, so everyone can have more positive influence in those areas. You know, maybe you can't give a sermon or quote the Bible every two seconds, but you could be a person that has influence for good. We all can. We teach in that leadership academy that if, if a church changes 10% of their community, that whole community turns. So as you go out into your jobs and into your hobbies and do all these things, your life, you go to your kids' practices, as you do that as a Christian person, you can change the entire community. 10%, if you impact 10%, the whole community turns. And I've seen it myself in Ripon. This is the potential you have as the Centerpoint family. Your world is all around you here in Fond du Lac today. So, what actually makes someone a leader, a good leader that God can use? It's not being the smartest. It's not necessarily being anyone's boss or being perfect and never making mistakes and having the perfect plan all the time. It's not about any of that. Leaders make mistakes. Leaders fall down. They don't blame others because leaders get back up again and again and again. Leadership is a mindset. Leadership is influence. I don't know how you're feeling this morning as you sit here. I won't ask you to holler out, but do you identify yourself as a leader? How do you identify yourself? You should. If you don't right now, that's okay. But you should. You are a leader. You are a person of influence for God. You need to begin to see yourself that way. The reason that God says he's created you as his masterpiece is so that you can influence others in your particular world. That's why you're here. That's why you're on earth, to make a difference for good, to be a leader that God will use. And to do that, you have to see yourself as a masterpiece made to influence the world around you, and then you just have to do two more things. Just get two more things straight. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you, and then you've got to get two things straight. The first is just your character. Defining your character begins with taking an honest look at your life. Character can't be counterfeited. One of the reasons I was so excited that Aaron wanted to come to Fond du Lac and plant this church is because I had worked with him for seven or eight years. I knew his character. Day after day, working just feet apart in offices, I knew his character. And in seven years, he never gave me any reason to question his integrity or his character. Character can't be counterfeited. counterfeited. It's not something you can put on. It's not cosmetic. You can't take it off. It's who you are inside. And it's a matter of your heart. It's the number one reason that Aaron was chosen to plant this church. When choosing leaders, that's what God looks at. So we have to as well. In 1 Samuel it says, For the Lord sees not as a man sees. 
For the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at your heart. So to maintain your character as a Christian leader, you have to do right when you actually want to do wrong. It's okay to want to do wrong. We have our moments, but then you choose to still do right. It's doing good when there's nothing tangible to gain. It's faithfulness in the face of frustration. It's consistently just showing up and getting back up time and time again. Just being willing to be used by God. Just saying, here I am. It's work. It's Monday morning. Here I am. What do you need? That's it. You don't have to have any giant plan. And I know that can be hard. But great leaders don't set out to be a leader. They set out to make a difference. It's not about your role. It's about your goal. You can do this. Starts with character, and then the other thing you need is that comes out of character is your example. It's your character, and it's your example. Those are the most important things. Your character and your example. That's what changes the world around you. We're called by God to lead by example. Because again, this is what Jesus does. He's our example. He shows us how to handle temptation. He shows us how to handle frustration. He shows us how to treat people. Jesus shows us how to love and trust God. Jesus shows us how to be generous. I love that about him. I, want to, I have a little story. I want to be generous with you this morning. For all these years, I don't know how long El Aroma has been in existence, a long time, right? Lived in Ripon, come through Fond du Lac all the time. Even ate there. Never had one of their pizzas. I love pizza. Just about a week ago, I had my first pizza from El Aroma, and I loved it. It's like, wow, I didn't, even, I didn't even know they had pizza, really. How did I miss it for, whatever, 15 years? So I want to be generous with you today. You got a card when you came in, and if you didn't get one, grab one on your way out, and there's a QR code on the bottom. If you scan the QR code with your phone, now or at home, whenever, you, I, don't, I don't mind, you're not hurting my feelings if you do it now, then you'd be entered to win an El Aroma pizza. And I'll send it to you. I'll announce it. Maybe Aaron will put it in his email. Who wins? It's good to be generous. It's just good to be generous. You can be generous. It doesn't even take much thought. You can bring donuts to work for your friends. You can buy a friend coffee. Hey, I treated you to coffee today. You know who I learned that from? Sydney and Aaron. Like I met Sydney when she was in college. And, and it's sometimes when she'd come over to the church from college, she'd bring me a coffee, just a little gift. Give me a coffee. We'd sit and talk for five minutes. And then, you know, she'd was really there for Aaron, not me. <laughs> Aaron brought me coffee a million times. Just a little bit of generosity. You can do this. And you change the world around you. Imagine young Sydney in college bringing this old pastor a coffee and making his whole day better. All she had to do was bring a coffee as a college student. You can do this. You can change the world around you. You can show people who you really are with your example. Jesus breaks down being an example for us. He says, among you it should be quite different. Whoever wants to be a leader must be your servant. If you want to influence other people, you don't got to talk much. Your example goes way farther than your words. You and I as leaders, most likely, we can't change the world, most likely. Maybe one of you will be president someday. I don't know, but most likely we can't change the world. But I can change my world, and you can change your world, and together we can change the world around us, our world. Helping other people become better leaders is a passion of mine, you can probably tell, because it's an honor. Well-equipped leaders change the world. Is that scary to hear? Is all this scary to hear like I'm supposed to be a leader for God? It shouldn't be. You don't need to be scared. Stepping into a leadership role 
is really like getting on a roller coaster with God. That's what your life can be, as someone who just wants to say, here I am, God, I'll do it. Not a treadmill, you know that life, running, 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 and not getting anywhere. Not a boring carousel going around and around and around with no purpose. You might know that as well. Not a hamster wheel like so many people tell me they they're, like, feel like they're on a hamster wheel every week. But a crazy, fun roller coaster with God as, at the operator stand. That's what your life can be because you're his masterpiece. That's what he's made you for. Do you remember the first time you were ever on a roller coaster? Was it thrilling, exciting possibly? Or maybe even now. I still love them all these years later. You never really know what's going to happen on the roller coaster, the twists and the turns, but you don't care. It's a thrill. It's fun. You feel safe. You, you trust that you're actually going to get back to the starting point. You feel safe and protected. That's how you can think of your faith. And when you think of your faith that way, your life will change. Your ability to influence others will change. Don't miss your opportunity to be loved by Jesus, loved by God, just like the woman in that story. Don't miss your opportunity. That Bible story is there for you. It's there for me so that we can change. Its purpose is to show you who Jesus is and how much he cares for you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God has a redeemed future and purpose for you doesn't matter your age. Don't miss the opportunity to be used by God to make a difference in your world. Choose to see yourself as God sees you. Choose to take action. Choose to model yourself after Jesus' example. And then choose to be an example yourself. Basically, you just get on this giant roller coaster. It's God's perfect roller coaster. And just enjoy a thrilling ride with him. You'll never regret that. You guys have an amazing church already, a year and a half in. Bigger than the average church in America by far already. I saw children's ministry is mind-blowingly good. You have so much. God has given you so much. He's given you this opportunity personally to find and grow your own faith here. And the only expectation is you just show up. Say, yes, God, I'm trying. It's amazing. You know, I talked about leaving. I have this new ministry, and it, it's built just for that. It's built to help people get closer to God, essentially. Through life help, through leadership help. That's how passionate I am about it. We do this pastoral counseling. We have this monthly life academy. We have this leadership academy, but all for the same purpose. The same things you're getting right here at this church. To help you become better leaders, more influential people. This isn't just something to come and consume on Sunday. This is something to come and take in every Sunday and then share with your world. Now, if you're interested in that, if I can help you anyway, that I should have been smart. I should have put their, their website at the bottom of the card. I didn't. But that QR code, not only does it enter a pizza, but it takes you to the website of this new ministry. You can contact me. I'd be happy to help you. But here's what you have to know today. You are God's masterpiece. He brought you here today to hear that. It's not my opinion. It's his. This is what he wrote about you. He loves you. He sees you as a masterpiece. He wants you to live free like the masterpiece he sees in you. So as I close, I'm just going to pray that God would bless you that way. That he would help you see yourself the way he sees you. That he would help you 
go to Jesus and embrace him and be loved by him, just like the woman in the story. So I'll pray that for you. If you want that prayer for you, you can bow your heads, and I'll say the words for us. Dear Lord, thank you for how encouraging you are. God, so often people think you're negative or harsh or judgmental when in the end you tell us again and again and again from your words that you love us, that you see us as a masterpiece full of potential and full of goodness. And you tell us, God, that you have plans for us. So, Lord, I ask you for each person here today, help them to know how much you love them, help them to see themselves as you see them, and then, God, help them to share that with their world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.